Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. DNVR Broncos podcast on this terrific Tuesday. I'm your host, Zach Steven, joined by my man, Andrew Mason. Before we hop into the show, got to tell you about our presenting sponsor, MSU Denver Online. Over at MSU Denver Online, they put a dynamic education at your fingertips without forcing you to decide between earning a degree and living your life. You can continue to work and make money while you further your career in education. Whether you want to take one class or whether you want to take an entire program, you can do that over at MSU Denver Online. So check out all of the programs and all of the hundreds of classes they have to offer over at MSU Denver Online. My boy, Mace! I'm sorry we're not talking about a Tar Heels win today. Jayhawk fans aren't. Jayhawk fans are ecstatic. Yeah, yes, they yeah, are. Good for them. I um, mean, what what a game. Obviously, it didn't end the way you wanted, but I mean, just talk about a game of runs and excitement and drama. Yeah, and the... Uh, the biggest blown lead in the history of national championship games. I wasn't going to bring that up. Mace. Oh, I will. That's going <laughs> to that that one's going to leave a mark even though I mean, you could kind of see you could see it coming pretty quickly. I mean, I even like the first minute of the second half, yeah. I felt like up oh, here here they come. And and this is this is kind of uh this has been Kansas MO Kansas MO from time to time. They got behind in the lead eight against Miami and they came roaring back. Carolina at least had a another punch in it, but it did look like a Tar Heel team that Basically playing an iron five lineup with very little contributions from the bench and then seeing, you know, and then, you know, seeing injuries take a toll on those five and guys playing hurt. It just looked like a team that kind of ran out of gas. Literally, literally. I mean, you had a player throw up on the court. That was wild. You had a player throw up. You had one other instance where Armando Baycott came down and the floor literally buckled. Mm-hmm. Under him, and then, and that was when he re, he re-injured his already hurting ankle. But that was late. It, you know, give give Kansas credit. They 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 missed the shots in the first half, and they hit the big ones in the second half. And and so it goes. Kansas national champions 
I know a lot of Jayhawk fans out there. Congratulations. Yeah. Me Shout out to Brandon Cristal. Me personally. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I but think, you're talking uh, to somebody who, when Kansas met Kentucky Kentucky for the title 10 years ago, openly said he was rooting for the meteor. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, Mace, last night kind of felt like a meteor for you, and I'm sorry. Uh, you know, my pick of the week <laughs> lost. I lost money. Hey, you, I, I, I made money, though. Yes, you did. Because what happened was I didn't make my bet before the game. Uh, when smart. at halftime... I made a money line bet on Kansas. What'd you grab him at? Uh, thirty-one to ten. Thirty. Wow. Plus three ten. Yeah. Wow. Impressive. Well, so, I'm happy for your bank account. I'm sorry for your the, emo- heart. the emotional hedge. I would. Re- I would rather have lost the money. <laughs> yeah. Let me make that clear. I'd much rather have lost the money. <laughs> well, Mace, we're gonna talk about the Broncos' schedule today because we know their opponents. We just don't know how it's going to unfold. But you were hearing some things about maybe how the Broncos' schedule could start. Mm-hmm. So I want to dive into that. What are you hearing? Well, uh, Peter King addressed some of these in his column uh, late Sunday night, early Monday morning. But definitely Broncos-Rams in week one is in play. Uh, the other game that I hear as a strong possibility for week one Thursday night football, that opener would be uh, would be Buffalo against the Los Angeles Rams. And it's a question of just what storyline do they want? Do they want the... Uh, do they, they they want Russell Wilson going against an old NFC West rival? The first game for Russell Wilson in in Denver on national television, or do they want another? One thing that I had heard a little bit about the Broncos maybe being on Thursday Night Football in Week Two, and that's going to be the Amazon opener because mm. NBC has the Week One Thursday Night game to kick off the season. Amazon starts its package in Week Two, and Amazon wants a a big game to open with. Yep. There was some talk earlier a few weeks ago that it could be maybe Broncos at Seahawks. So you get Russell Wilson going back to Seattle, Amazon, of course, based in Seattle, but something that Peter King reported, and this is not something that I had heard in the buzz uh, down there is that they would love to have Kansas city for that opener in week for the Amazon opener in week two on Thursday night. Mm. And they would love the idea of Broncos, Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson on Thursday night. And if that is if that is the case, I highly doubt the Broncos would open with the Rams on Thursday night football. I think, because I don't think they would want the Broncos on two straight Thursday night games, one on NBC, one on Amazon. I think it'd be more likely that they would play just a garden variety Sunday afternoon opener and then have the Chiefs there in in week two. Could be at Arrowhead, could be in Denver. Of course, week two against the Chiefs on Thursday night football. Seven years ago, that was very good to the Broncos. Mm, But Patrick Mahomes wasn't a Chief back then. Yeah, and that game makes a lot more sense to me Mm -hmm. for every single reason. Uh, Broncos-Chiefs is a way better game, way sexier. Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, Broncos-Chiefs. Do the Broncos finally get their first win in Mm -hmm. in 13 games? Uh, The only other thing that the Broncos or Seahawks has is obviously the emotional connection, but that emotional connection is just with Seattle. It's just with one city. 
I don't think people want to tune in to watch the Seahawks get blown out at home by by their former quarterback. I think they'd way rather see a great game between mm-hmm. the Broncos and the 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 Chiefs, especially because we know the Chiefs probably aren't going to be in that week one mm-hmm. game. So you have the Rams against the Bills. That's a really good matchup right there. And then next week, you follow it up with that great Amazon game. And with the Amazon, I guess the other connection it would have is Amazon's kind of a Seattle company. But in terms mm-hmm. of selling uh, mm-hmm. that game and the big first one, I, they shouldn't care about that. They shouldn't care about their home team being in it. So I really think that that makes a ton of sense. Broncos, kind of just a normal schedule uh, on the first week, start a Sunday mm-hmm. afternoon, Sunday morning game, and then have the big fireworks the following game. Yeah, the interesting thing about uh, with Amazon, of course, they're paying $1.2 billion a year. And, uh, you know, they, they know that they know they're probably going to be stuck with a, uh, a Jaguars Texans type game at some point mm. because everybody mm. still has to mm-hmm. get on national television once. That's part of the way it goes. But for their money, they're going to want they're going to want some spotlight games, even though they'll be streaming only outside of the two markets they're participating in the game. So. That would be, and they're going to want to start with a bang, and that would certainly be a bang. Another thing you meant to kind of go back to the idea of Broncos Seahawks being a spotlight game. Russell Wilson, that's a story, no doubt. But this is one reason why you wait until kind of the draft to let things play out because if an already depressed Seahawk team, maybe spiritually, but also just in terms of roster quality, if they lose DK Metcalf if they trade right. him in the next few weeks. Not to the Chiefs. Yeah. Then, you know, then they are. Then when they get their primetime appearance, it is probably this. It is just kind of burning off and not you know, burning him off in a non-spotlight game that you just kind of accept uh, if you're the network and you just move on. And then and because I don't think they're gonna, I don't think then it becomes nearly. As attractive because this Bronco team, as currently constructed, against a Seahawks team that did not have DK Metcalf, this Bronco team should win comfortably. They should. Yes, I, I completely agree. So then, mates, let's open this up to a little broader of a conversation. Mm-hmm. Would you rather have the Broncos start the the their their year with Russell Wilson, with a new coaching staff, a new quarterback, really a new team? With an easy schedule, or would you rather have them go through a gauntlet and get some of the hard games out of the way at first? I'd rather have and and really quick, somewhere let, in between. I don't know, okay, okay, okay. What okay. I mean is, like, say those first three or four games, I'm okay with one really tough game, and then one kind of moderately tough, and then a couple of dare I say cupcakes. Even though there are no real there are no cupcakes in the NFL, but let's say for example. The Broncos have the Chiefs week two, Thursday night football. Mm-hmm. I am content with week one being the Jets at home. Okay. And part of the reason is short week, you want to be at home. If if you're whether you're getting on a plane to Arrowhead or you're having you're playing the game here, you don't want to have put it this way, I wouldn't want to open at Carolina in week one and then come back and have Thursday night football. So I'll kind of my sample opening four games here is open with the Jets at home, Chiefs in week two, Thursday night, can be home, can be road, whatever. Getting one of those kind of moderately tough games 
in uh in in week three. Um, perhaps maybe Forty uh, ers Okay. At home in week three. And by that, I'm basically saying you probably want to have the Chiefs on the road in week two because you don't want to go home, home, home to start. Right. And then week four at Carolina. Okay. So kind of a little bit, kind of kind of a little bit of everything. I think if you had those four games, your expectation, even though the 49ers did go to the NFC Championship game, we talked about that maybe being uh, a game the Broncos could lose. Your expectation is two and two at the worst, and the Manning Broncos started off two and two with a tough slate, and certainly a, a good possibility, a, re- a reasonable possibility of being three and one. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I so you you kind of want the the same schedule going all the way through. Uh, yeah. you know the same amount of difficulty. Give, spread them out. Spread them out a little bit. Give me the gauntlet to early. Start. Give me the gauntlet early because g- give me Rams, Chiefs, Chargers to start the season or throw the 49ers in there instead of the Texans, Jets, and Seahawks. I would rather have a very difficult schedule to start off with because look, if you look at great teams. They don't. It doesn't matter how they start. You mentioned the Broncos the first year with Peyton Manning. They started slow, had a losing record, two and three through their first five games. You look at you look at uh, Tom Brady when he was with the Patriots. They consistently started really slow. How about the Chiefs last year? They started slow. How you start does not matter. And let's say the Broncos go one and two in their first three games, and let's say it's Rams, Chiefs, and Chargers. Uh, yeah, people are people in or outside of the building are going to be worried, but they're going to be just fine. You want to hit your stride in December, in November. You don't want to have to have to be battling in in those months. So that's why I'm totally fine starting one and two with really hard games, and you hope those games are competitive. Obviously, the thing is, you run the risk of being zero and three. You do. That's you, the, that. You do, but that, if, that's that's the roll of the dice there. I mean, let's just to go through those games. Let's say. Rams at home, or Rams on the road, pardon me. Yep. Chiefs at home. Yep. Chargers on the road, which we know is basically a neutral site game. Yep. I mean, what's the reaction around here if they're 0-3? I don't think they'll panic in the building. Right. But that's that's where you kind of say, all right, I'd rather have something that's a little bit more balanced. Not I don't want I, I don't want to get all the all the lesser games out of the way early. I'd like to have a respite like Houston sitting there in November or Seattle in in October. I mean, obviously it'll be a loud crowd and uh, it's gonna be an emotional game, but that is a game the Broncos should win. I'd I'd like to have Jacksonville in Florida in December. I think that would be lovely for a lot of reasons. <laughs> right? Yep. You get a get a benign weather game. I mean, the the only risk you run is what if they're better than better than expected. But there aren't. The thing is, there aren't. You know, there aren't going to be many kind of potential chances to catch your breath on the, on the schedule. And probably the be, if you're going to have the if you're going to have more than one of those games cluster at any point, I think it's probably better early just to kind of allow this team mm. to get its to get its wind under it because they're. There are going to be chemistry, not issues, but just can, uh, there, there are going to be just issues in terms of getting the offense on the same page. And you, you have a first-time coach on top of that as well. Like one thing back in 2012, when you had Peyton Manning, you had John Fox as the coach, and I know people weren't happy with the decision that he made at the end of the season to uh, to take a knee and play for overtime against Baltimore. 
but you did have somebody who'd been through a lot before. I think the combination of new coach plus new quarterback plus new offensive scheme plus first-time defensive coordinator and first-time special teams coordinator, all that as a collective tells me I don't want. I don't think it would be the best thing for this team to go in in the deep end right away. So Henry's also with you because he's chiming in. Hey, Hank, love love seeing you roll with us. He says, ride the rust momentum through the first half of the season. Save the fun games for the second half of the year. So kind mm-hmm. of going along with what you're saying. Yeah. For me, though, there's going to be bumps no matter who they're playing. And I would rather see this team go through those bumps and lose to good teams than go through those bumps and win one of those bad one of those games against a bad team and lose one of those because they're going through those bumps. But that's just personal preference, but yeah. that's that's what I would prefer. So, Mace, I want to throw this out to you because you want the balanced, but I want to put you yeah. making a decision here. Would you rather have the first three games of the season be Texans, Jets, Seahawks, all easy games supposedly, or Rams, Chiefs, and Chargers? I'd rather have the, the first three. Ah, oh, man. Build, build, if it's choice between the two extremes. Yeah. I choose building confidence with a lot of newcomers coming in. This is, look, you mentioned examples like the Chiefs starting slow. Well, how, how many years has Andy Reid been there? How many years has Andy Reid been a successful head coach? Patrick Mahomes has already been to, had, had already been to a couple of Super Bowls, already won one. He's already been uh, Super Bowl MVP, League MVP. Tom Brady, he's got you know he, he's got a lot of as they as John Fox would say, skins on skin on, on the wall as well. I don't. Th- I think it's just understanding that this team, while it's promising and exciting, I think there is still that unknown and still another and still another stage in the development it's got to get through. I mean, even last week at the league meetings, George Payton, you know, kind of, you know, he says hey, it's all got to. We got to see how it is yep. in action. Even, yep. I mean. He is taking the restraint angle mm-hmm. in terms of how he in terms of how he views this. Remember a year ago, last year, you know, when a lot of us were talking about how much talent was on the team, and and he was also he was saying, well, we've still got a lot of pieces to add, mm-hmm. right? And yep. there's still a ways to go in in developing. And then, of course, last you can't say he was wrong because the team ended up seven and ten, exactly, despite and- the t- despite the talent they had outside of the quarterback position and maybe I'm just too jaded from last year but how much did that 3-0 and hot start matter it didn't matter at all and that's just where mm-hmm. I am I'd rather have the team have some easy games get a mm-hmm. lot of momentum have a couple blowouts in December and November when it really matters than going 3-0 and with with patty cakes I'd rather rather have them struggle early and then find their footing as the season goes on, because man, it's just hard to even believe that the Broncos had a three and zero start with the with the way the rest of the season it is. Went. But it certainly made the season interesting for longer. But I'm not I mean, concerned about this but, season but, not right, being interesting. But, right, but there, but I mean, there they for for all that happened with that start, and then they fell back, and then they and then they stabilized. There they were in December, playing against a team that eventually won the AFC driving in the fourth quarter with a chance to take the lead. And 
we'll try to forget what happened after that. <laughs> we will. Mm-hmm. We will. And what's unfortunate is the Broncos were just mm-hmm. trending so far down at that point. Uh, but we'll just agree to disagree. And I, I think this is a really it's trending down. I mean, two weeks before they'd beaten the the Chargers, right? Uh, what were they after that three and zero start, though? They they right. were they, they, they were, were four and nine. They were, they were entering that final game. They of the were season? four. They were four and six going into that Bengal game. That was the point I was referring to. I mean that, and that was kind of where that's trending down. Trending trending down. But they they remember they lost four in a row, and then they had a, and then they had a winning record over the next. Five over the next five six games. I guess. I guess what, how, how I think of this, and I shouldn't just think because they, they were year. three and they were three and four, and then they got back to seven and six. Right. Right. And, so and they. So, so that. So I would. I know what you're saying, kind of by the pattern. They were. They were clearly crap in October. They had largely normalized as a mid tier team in November and early December. And so that's why I didn't I I didn't view where they were the same way as you did. Right, and, and I guess I should just view it not looking at last year. Mm-hmm. I'd rather have the team start two and three and finish. Oh, what nine and uh, what would that be? Nine and eight. Nine nine and eight down the stretch, uh, as opposed to. Well, Although no, wait, no, no, oh no, you're it talking. would be two and three. Oh, you're, uh, oh, you're, you're, but you're talking about they're going to win eleven games. You're right, right. So you're talking about they'd go if they start two and three, they go nine, they go nine and three after that. Right. So I'd rather have them do that than start three and zero oh and then sputter a little bit and be a five hundred team down the street. Of course, but one thing about that, you you will actually want to have, historically speaking, you want you usually want to have a little a, a little bit of late season struggle to overcome. Like for example. You, let's talk about that Bronco team that started two and three Peyton Manning's first year, right? Mm-hmm. Then they go on a tear. Yep. They get they, they get they, they get hot. Now they didn't play a lot of tough teams after that. They played, for example, a New Orleans team on Sunday Night Football that was down. That was the year they were without Sean Payton. The best teams they played after that two and three start were. Cincinnati in Cincinnati and Baltimore in Baltimore, mm-hmm. and of course they won those games. But you win eleven in a row, and then and then we find out time after time in the playoffs that you can have that long winning streak going in, and it often doesn't mean anything. Whereas just to take the Broncos for example, what all three Broncos World Champion teams have in common is that they lost multiple games in December. Mm-hmm. So. If you've built up the wins and you're still in good playoff shape, if we're talking about what this team needs to do in January, a couple of late season losses that kind of reminds you that you maybe you're not as great as you think you are. You got to work a little bit harder. Aren't the worst thing? No, they're not the worst thing. And and I can also pull out examples: the Patriots. The last two mm-hmm. times, or the last two of the last three times they won a Super Bowl, mm-hmm. they started two and two, and then they went mm-hmm. on to win like ten of their last eleven games. So it, it just yeah. it, you you can pull examples out from from everywhere. But they, how many years had Tom Brady been there though? Well, yeah, yeah. And, and and that's another thing you're talking about. A, you're talking about a, a quarterback in his first year with the team. Also, with that 2012 yeah. team, because that was Peyton's first yeah. year with the team, drawing kind of a similar parallel. If Raheem Moore doesn't let the ball go over his head. They win that game. And we're talking just about one play. I don't think the fact that it was Peyton Manning's first year and they went on an 11-game winning streak was what derailed that. All it takes is one play for that it, to go It different. certainly did, I think, give a false sense of confidence. And, and throughout the game, the Ravens were kind of puncturing that. Like, for instance, 
nobody was going at Champ Bailey. The Ravens made a decision to go at Champ Bailey. Mm -hmm. And Champ, for the first time in a long time, looked mortal. Yeah. And don't forget, an, a reason why the Broncos were winning, two special teams touchdowns that day, too. Yeah. Not something that you could rely on. The Broncos' offense was not having a spectacularly efficient day that day. No, it, it wasn't. Yeah. And I'm excited for this to be the pot yeah. pole and see yeah. what people decide. I'm also excited for this week with the Masters. Tiger is officially playing, Mace, at least as of right now. He's teeing off at 1034 on the East Coast. And DraftKings Sportsbook has everything you need to make this weekend a blast. And here's what they're offering new customers. Bet $5 on the golf's first major and get $25 in free bets for for every birdie Bryson DeChambeau sinks in the first round. So bet $5, and then you'll get $25 for each birdie that Bryce, uh, Bryson makes. That's a fun one to follow along with. And they've got everything going on with the Masters. They've got single-round matchups. They've got you can bet on the entire thing. And, of course, you can bet on the Rockies starting this weekend over at DraftKings Sportsbook. So head to the App Store now. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code DNVR when you sign up to get this offer of betting $5 on the Masters and you win $25 in free bets for each birdie that Bryson DeChambeau makes in the first round. So check them out and download the app. And, of course, use that code DNVR over at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 20 21 or older, Colorado only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. And Mace, because we missed our DraftKings Sportsbook pick of the week, I should say, because I missed mine yesterday, I want another crack at my DraftKings Sportsbook I missed mine, pick. too, because I did a point spread pick and, Car and Carolina lost. beat the spread. <laughs> yeah, man. I, should, I shouldn't yeah. have gone Carolina money line. I should have gone Carolina plus four, and I would have been golden. Yeah, like that was... And, and, and you talk about the ultimate bad beat. Going out of bounds. Yes. There. That is. <laughs> yes. Wow. But it gave you a chance. It gave Carolina a chance. And then Brady Manick slipped. I think, he, I think Brady was the primary... Uh, what was the primary target on the inbounds there? Mm. And then he and then he slipped very similar spot to where Baycott slipped. Yeah. Something something was up with that floor. The KU guys were slipping down there in the first half too. Yeah, when they were on the offensive end, There's yeah, something something not right. Yeah, all those billions upon billions of dollars flowing into the NCA and they can't get the freaking floor proper. <laughs> yeah, but I want another shot in my yeah. DraftKings sportsbook pick of the week. So I'm going to a conversation we talked about yesterday mm -hmm. and over under win projections over at DraftKings Sportsbook. And I'm going to give you three. And I think at least two of these will hit. That means you will come out at least one unit up. I'm going the Denver Broncos over 10 wins. And like we talked about yesterday, I love that because I think they're going to at least get 10 wins. If they only get 10, you push, you get your money back. And what did I say? I said I love betting on great quarterbacks on the over because they're going to be a little muted in, in how they set these lines because of injuries and stuff. So you're going to have a good chance to go over with the great quarterback. So I'm going Broncos because they've got Russ. I'm also going to go over on the Baltimore Ravens. They're at nine and a half. I really think the Ravens win that division this year, so they get double-digit wins. So I'd love the Ravens at 9.5. And, and the other team that I really like, oh, let me find it right here, uh, was the Los Angeles Rams at 10.5. Look, the NFC West is tough. They're, they're going to get 11 wins. Now they have two gimme wins against Seattle. They're going to get 11 wins. Boom. There you go. You'll hit at least two of the three. Don't forget, though, the Los Angeles Rams have the entire AFC West on their schedule. Yeah, they do. They do. It'll mm -hmm. be tough, but I think they get to 11. They have the entire... Uh, 
the entire AFC West and uh, they've got they've got Tampa Bay out for revenge there, but hey, <laughs> they seem to have uh, gotten the better of Tampa Bay the last couple of years. So unfortunately for yeah, you, yeah, sorry about yeah, sorry about that. Uh, by the way, you said there's everything at DraftKings for the Masters. Basically, it's everything but one thing. Oh, can't get pimento cheese sandwiches from the DraftKings. <laughs> You're gonna have to make those your on yourself. There are plenty of great recipes out there. I, I'm gonna go. You know what? I'm going with a long-term pick. Mm. And so if I'm wrong, everyone will forget about it. <laughs> um, picking the the division in Major League Baseball that produces the winner of the World Series. Okay. And this is as simple as who has the longest odds. Mm. AL, the National League Central, 10 to 1. And I'm just going to take that. Postseason baseball, statistically speaking, is basically random. Mm, right. So I'm simply going to take the te- the the longest odds there, the NL Central. I'm not I'm not sure the Cardinals have quite enough pop in their lineup, but mainly if I'm kind of betting on a dark horse here, it'd be the Milwaukee Brewers. Okay. You know some strategic free agent pickups like Andrew McCutcheon coming in there. Rest of the team re- returns virtually intact. Lost to the Braves in the division series last year. Think think Christian Yelich does a little bit better this year than he did last year, and so I think that's a that's a value play right there. The whole the whole NL Central, but especially Milwaukee to win it all. Okay, I they've love never it. won it all before, but uh, maybe it's their time. I love it. Ten to one odds. I love it over at DraftKings Sportsbook. And something else I love is what we've got going on for Rockies opening day here, not at the DNVR bar. Actually, what we're doing is opening day is a a big time party down in Lodo. So we're partnering uh, with our friends over at the Ice House downtown, just a couple blocks away from Coors Field. And we're throwing a party before opening day. And so it's Friday, 2 p.m. is the game. We're starting our party right around 11 over at Ice House. So come join us to talk about Rockies. It's such a fun day to be downtown. We're going to be there and we would love if you joined us. We're doing this for you guys because the, the bar's going to be open. So if you want to come watch the Rockies game here, we would love that, of course. But Lodo is the place to be. So we're going to be there over at the Ice House on Friday. It is going to be one big time party. Take the day off of work and come join us over at the Ice House. Also, if you can't get to the Ice House or you can't get to the DMVR bar to watch the Nuggets or the Avalanche, but you still want to watch them near the Denver market, check out our friends over at Ivaca TV. They've got altitude. That's a big thing, of course, uh, if you're into Denver sports. Ivaca TV is a totally new paradigm for television delivery that is less expensive, more efficient, and offers a superior picture than legacy providers. They've got local networks like Altitude Sports and other national channels. It's available in places like Denver, Colorado Springs, Phoenix, Boise, and Twin Falls, Idaho. So with Ivaca having altitude, you can follow the Mammoth, the Avs, the Nuggets, the Rapids, plus get coverage of CSU, the DU Pioneers, baseball, and much more. And coming soon to Ivaca is AT&T Sports Rocky Mountain. So if you get Ivaca, no worries about what your carrier has. You'll be able to get Avalanche, Nuggets, Rapids, Rockies, Mammoth, everything local in Denver sports available to you. So how do you sign up for Ivaca TV? Go to Ivaca.tv slash DNVR. It's Ivaca.tv slash DNVR. It's $25 per month 
plus the receiver, no contracts, no hidden free fees, and your price is locked in for two years. You can rent the receiver for $5 a month or purchase the receiver up front for $250. Either way, you are set, and you'll get everything you want in Denver area sports with our friends over at Evoca TV. That's Evoca.tv, E-V-O-C-A.tv slash DNVR. All right, Mace, we got a few updates on some potential free agents the Broncos could sign. And let's talk about these guys. Melvin Gordon, Kareem Jackson, and Tyron Matthew. Some news on all of these guys. I guess not necessarily mm-hmm. news on Kareem Jackson, but he's still sitting out there. But there's mm-hmm. another safety out there that's seemingly getting some buzz this weekend. I had a few people reach out to me saying, Tyron Matthew to the Broncos, picking up a little steam. No, not that I've seen or heard about, but a lot of you guys have seen or heard some buzz about Tyron Matthew to the Broncos. I have not seen anything. I've checked in with a couple of people. They have not said, or inside the building, and they have said that they have not heard anything about Tyron Matthew. Uh, But Tyron today is visiting the Saints. Kind of an interesting thing, though. He's down in New Orleans on a vacation, and the way they're framing it right now is, He's down there, so he might as well just visit them, which is a little interesting. I got to think there's actually a little more interest there. But Mace, one of the the biggest names on the market still available. You think the Broncos have any interest? I don't think they do, and I've heard the same things that you have, just uh, kind of reaching out, putting out some feelers and all that. That being said, if George Payton is interested, only a very small number of people would know. That's a good point. And that's one thing that is a hallmark of this Broncos organization under George Payton is that uh, they're, the, 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 the circle, the inner circle that really knows is very small, very tight. Yep. And in that, you don't have anybody in that inner circle who is leak, who's a big leaker, right. as it were. So that's why I wouldn't dismiss it. It just appears unlikely. And one reason why it appears unlikely is that uh, just kind of gauging George Payton in terms of how he, in terms of how he manages things, I don't think he's going the Mickey Loomis less Sneed route when it comes to putting a lot on a credit card. And depending on what type of contract you give Tyron Matthew, because you still obviously want to have some spare space. Uh, under your cap as you get toward the season. Right now, the Broncos, according to the NFLPA, have $17.7 million of cap space. Okay. But then you figure about $6 million for your draft picks, right? Yep. And then any other pick, and then any other pickups, plus you want to go in to the season with about $6 million of, of buffer zone in case you have to have pickups on the fly, which are inevitable because of injuries. So I don't... I don't know that he's going to take this con to take the Tyron Matthew deal, especially if he has to backload a lot of a, a lot of it, especially backload it to 2024. So I think this is one of those things where it's exciting. He's a big name. It's fun to discuss big names. I don't think he, I don't think Tyron Matthew is going to be a Bronco. So one thing that I think the Broncos could do with Tyron Matthew is they could use him as leverage for Kareem Jackson, another free agent that's out there. And what's very interesting is we've heard Kareem say he wants to be back in Denver. We've heard the Broncos say they want him back. Specifically, George Payton said we'd want him back. Uh, but there's clearly something that's not lining up, and that's something has to be just the contract that Kareem's looking for. Last year, that he was on the books for $10 million. The Broncos cut him and said, we're not paying you $10 million. You can go test the free agent market because they weren't able to work out a, a pay cut. 
he came back for half that price. And my guess is that's the price that George Payton wants this year is half of last year's price. I think George Payton wants to bring him back for $2.5 million, and Kareem wants closer to five. And that's just, mm. I think, why Kareem's sitting out there. So the Broncos signed J.R. Reed, uh, a, a backup safety, kind of saying, see, Kareem, we don't need you. If you're going to demand $5 million or whatever that number is, we don't need you. And I think with, you know, some stuff floating out about Tyron Matthew, that could also be used as a negotiating tactic for Kareem Jackson. And I do think Kareem Jackson would end up being cheaper than Tyron Matthew. But let's say the Broncos, you know, Kareem isn't push it, but pushing that $5 million and Tyron doesn't get anything with the Saints. His value goes down. He ends up taking a one-year prove-it deal for $5 million, for $4 million. That's when I think the Broncos seriously get involved. But I think Tyron is probably going to get, what, $8 million a year, $5, $6 million a year. Probably not in the Broncos' ballpark right now. But that's how Tyron could actually impact the Broncos is by kind of driving, uh, being leverage against Kareem Jackson. And, of course, the, the team that you might be going against is in, ter- in terms of if there were competition is New Orleans. And like I said, Mickey Loomis has no hesitation about putting things on the credit card. So today the Saints have $7.68 million, two of cap space, according to the NFLPA. So that, that will not be an impediment. But that, again, George Payton is just different in terms of how he goes about things compared to Mickey Loomis. The Saint, at some point, the Saints are facing a reckoning. Now, hmm. I think one of the, maybe one of the things that's driving the deals that they made, uh, the deal they made with Philadelphia in terms of draft capital, is perhaps that they're thinking, all right, the reckoning is coming, but we got to make sure quarterback is cost controlled. Drink, right. try to work our way out of that over the next uh, over the next few years. So that's that's something I think you keep your eye on as you get toward uh, the draft. But we know Kareem Jackson can function well in this type of defense. Yeah, and he and yeah, he won't be as ex- he's not as good as Tyron Matthew. He's not as expensive as Tyron Matthew. Let me just ask you this: if you had if you had a few million dollars to spend, okay. would you spend $8 million on Tyron Matthew, or would you spend a combined $6 million on Melvin Gordon and Kareem Jackson? Yep, option B. That, that there that's, you, that's what I And I do. think that is very much in play. Yep, I think so too. I think so too. And so let's talk about Melvin Gordon because yesterday, well, we learned over the weekend that Melvin Gordon fired his agents. And I talked to someone yesterday and said the reason he did that was he was looking for a more aggressive agent and clearly sitting on the market for almost a month now something wasn't going right uh melvin didn't like the contracts he was getting uh or he didn't like the way his agent was operating so he fired his his agent then yesterday pro football talk put out uh a sourced information that said melvin gord's market is believed to be one year two and a half million dollar deal which is just eye-opening low i talked to a couple of sources yesterday and said he's he's going to go for more than that and with this new agent they believe he's going to go for more than that uh and more than that though we talking three and a half million we talking four million or is melvin trying to get some other running back contracts we saw this offseason of seven million dollars which a couple running backs got i'm sure he wants the seven million dollars but where do you think i mean we're seeing numbers from seven million dollars for running backs that aren't as good as melvin this year to you have this this source with pro football talk saying two and a half million dollars. Well, here's the thing: he is a he's an eighth year running back. He turns 29 in a few days, and he has north of 1,700 touches on his on his resume. I get why he's frustrated. I don't I don't think blaming the agent was the it was the 
best play here. Okay. I don't. I, I think that's, with all respect to Melvin Gordon, I think blaming the agent here is a little bit misguided. This is, this is teams looking at a running back who is in his late 20s, who is inching toward 2,000 touches for, for the course of his career, who is in his going into his eighth season. He is at a point that most running backs, even the really good ones, don't reach, and if they do, they lose their effectiveness. That's why, that's why he doesn't have a contract. This is a cold calculation. It's much like insurance people using an actuarial table. That's what this is on mm. Melvin Gordon. Mm. And he's not going to find $7 million. I only even think he finds $4 million. Mm. Three and a half? Maybe. I think probably. I, I think two to five to three is where he settles. To, okay, yeah. So, so you think that that source is probably pretty spot on? Uh, I mm. think he'll be somewhere right around four million, maybe three and a half. Uh, and what it's going to come down to for if the Broncos re-sign him, I think the Broncos would be willing to give him that money. I think it's going to come down to Melvin deciding what role he wants. Does he want to go find some place where he can be the guy? Because if he wants to be the guy, not even last year was he the guy. I mean, you had a yeah, he was the one A. Yeah, Javante Williams being. the the 1B. Does he want a bigger role where then he can prove that he he's worth a $7 million deal going into his 30s? Or is he okay with really splitting the load and, and, and making a playoff run? If he decides he wants that role, I think he gets that from the Broncos. But I think it, what it's going to come down to uh, isn't necessarily money here. It's going to be, is he okay with that role? And also, the longer these guys are on the market, you have to imagine the smaller their price tag gets. Right, and at the same time, the longer they're on the market, sometimes the better situations pop up. Like The thing with Hmm. Melvin Gordon is, could he decide to wait until even August and see if somebody gets hurt on a contending team, and they'd say, okay, well, we lost our running back. We need a running back one. He'd fit in. That would take a lot of patience on his part, but that's possible too. Yep. Um, The other thing, I do do think the Broncos are looking – at adding to the running back room the way that Nathaniel Hackett talked about splitting, you know, kind of uh, having the load split. Yep. There's a belief in Javante Williams, but there's a belief that, so, that that they also need somebody else in there. I, I don't know if we, I, I don't know, and I don't think we see a bell cow type situation here. Mm. Melvin Gordon makes a lot of sense at the right price because you know he can function well splitting with Javante Williams. The two of them get along very well together. It's a good, it, they're, they're similar backs, but they're not the same type of back. Javante's better at breaking tackles. Melvin Gordon has better vision. It's a partnership that worked well together, but running backs can be found very easily in the draft. So do you put Melvin Gordon on the back burner and say, we're going to wait to see what we come out of the draft with. If we get a running back that we like with one of those two third-round picks, then the Broncos, then if you're the Broncos, they might, you know, they might say, well, we're, we're set. Right. We're done. Right, exactly, and that that could very well happen. That's the risk that free agents mm-hmm. uh, take when they mm-hmm. wait until after the draft. But then also, like you said, a team could become desperate by not getting that guy in the draft, or an injury could happen and, and open something up. Well, and also, it's not it's not necessarily a matter of the player having the choice. The 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 teams right now, and there, there's a reason why every year we see this slowdown 
happens right before the start of the league meetings and it goes right through the draft. And the free agency activity slows to a trickle. And it's it's because you can pardon me, it's it's because everyone is waiting to see what they come out of the draft with. There there are a lot of people in football that would love to see the draft come before free agency, which only happened in 2011, the lockout year. For that reason, you reassess your needs after the draft, and then you go forward in free agency, having used the draft as your first choice to fill the holes on your roster. Right, right. So, And Mace, you're talking about good complementary pieces. Uh, good complementary pieces are my belly and sexy pizza. No better combo than that. And in fact, after talking about sexy Wait, pizza belly? last week. you? My belly. Yes. My- you don't have a belly. <laughs> Come on, man. This is a belly. That's not that. And, well, yeah. Mace, I had sexy pizza last week and so freaking good because I missed the tailgates. The tailgates, we had sexy pizza every single week, and I missed not having sexy pizza, so I had to get it last week. And, man, is it delicious. And speaking of good compliments, their salads. You, you sold me on their salads. Mace got a salad with the pizza. What a great pairing. And if you want sexy pizza tonight or this weekend, you got to check out one. One of their four Denver locations, they have one in Capitol Hill, Old South Pearl, Jefferson Park Hill, and they have a new location in Trinidad. You're not going to go wrong with anything you get over at Sexy Pizza. They are locally owned. They've been in the Denver community for 13 years, and it is as good and local as it gets. They also donate a lot of money to charities through their philanthropies, so make sure to check them out. Whether you want gluten-free pizza, normal pizza, salad, they have it all, so check them out, our friends over at Sexy pizza well mace let's talk to the people and first we got a super chat to jump into first coming in from team Jokic says my boys while everyone is going to florida for spring break i'm spending my senior spring break in denver just got here going to the nuggets game tonight we'll be at the bar thursday love it here man that is so cool i love hearing that and man you got the perfect name for going to the nuggets game tonight that is going to be a blast. We're so pumped. Uh, and love that you're stopping by the bar here. All right. Do we have any more Super Chats, Kale? Nope, that was it. No more Super Chats. Let's jump into the comment section. Okay. First one coming in from C. Fillmore 72 says, Gentlemen, greetings from the west of England. Heading out to Florida for a family holiday tomorrow. The first thing I'm going to do after checking in is jumping on the Breck Brew Beer Locator to see where I can find in the neighborhood. Breck doesn't export to the UK, so looking forward to my first taste of Colorado's finest. I reckon it's up there with the Galaxy's Edge as the thing I'm looking most forward to. Our next trip to the States will be likely a Colorado, Arizona, Nevada, Utah tour, so please keep those DNVR bar vibes rolling for at least for at least another three years or so. Hope to meet y'all in London come the autumn. Christopher, oh, you know we'll have the vibes rolling at the bar so hard in the next three years. And maybe even in uh, Nevada, Utah, we'll see. But, of course, you can also check out uh, PHNX when you're down there. Maybe there'll be a bar or something by that time you make it down. Yeah, and by the way, since you're, you mentioned Galaxy's Edge over at Star Wars, I just did a, and that's a Disney World, by the way, outside of Orlando, there are places uh, near and around uh, Disney World where you're going to be able to get some of those Breckenridge brews. I searched, mm-hmm. I searched around uh, Lake Buena Vista, Florida, which is uh, one of the municipalities where uh, Disney is, and got 125 results. Oh, there we go. You're going to be set uh, in Florida, and welcome to mm. uh, welcome to the states, Christopher. Love yeah, here, including in it. Looks like there's one. 
uh, right there on the uh, at the uh, at the it looks like a, a restaurant or a bar over at the Swan Hotel right there on the Disney World campus there we go there we go i love it and and welcome i love all these people telling us that uh, they're traveling to denver in the states Uh yep the soby brothers chimes in says gentlemen we respect the r the russell wilson three high everyone is on but want to make sure we're evenly tempered part of us expects a slower start similar to what we experienced in 2012 with peyton manning started three and three with 13 turnovers on the other hand, despite Manning coming off neck surgery, the Broncos were still putting points on the board. We live in Salem and Portland, Oregon, and we are going to try to get tickets to the Broncos game in Seattle. Even if we can't make it to the game, we'd love to have to do some pre-gaming and tailgating. Let us know if you need some boots on the ground for helping set something up. Also, while you're in Seattle, make sure to visit the Museum of Pop Culture. P.S. Elderly Sober Brother, Sobe Brother is glad to create gifts anytime. Okay. We love we love gifts. You got to take mm. some things that uh, some some crazy stupid things we do on here and turn them into gifts. Yeah, I like I like the abbreviation for that Mopop. Yes, yeah, and I did. I have not heard of. Uh, well, there's a museum of, of sex, and it goes by Mo Sex. Mo Sex. Wow. Okay, I like but that. That's uh, not, yeah, not, not in well. Seattle. So, um, and in terms of the the, the start for the season. If the Broncos are putting up points but losing, I think people it's not going to be bad and boring. It's going to be not ideal and exciting. And I do think, well, Mace, I should ask you this. Do you think people will have patience the first month of the season with this team? They should. I don't know if they will, but they should. I think there's going to be some patience unless – we see Nathaniel Hackett have like massive game management mm-hmm. issues, and it's just such a flashback. Uh, unless the defense looks so porous that their offense isn't able to put up points. I mean, I look. I was here when it was halftime against San Diego. Broncos down twenty-four nothing. The Broncos were two and three, and people were call were calling for Tim Tebow to be brought back, <laughs> saying should have kept Tebow and not brought in Manning. Well, remind me. So what I'm not. I, that, I, I, what happened in that second half? Yeah, they came back, but the point is, I don't expect rationality. <laughs> <laughs> That's very fair. I expect rationality from these listeners, though. Mm-hmm. And one of them, Butch Cassidy, coming in says, "Fellas, all this talk about Russell Wilson MVP votes and how this era might compare to Manning era has me thinking." My favorite part of the Manning era was that 2013 regular season, knowing that every Sunday I was sitting down to watch picture-perfect football. What pieces or specific players would the Broncos have to put around Russ to build an offense of that caliber? And, in your too-early-to-tell opinion, will Russ ever get close to, to, to statistically that 2013 offense in his time in Denver? Uh, I mean, that's such a high standard. I don't think it's something you can go in expecting either that or clo- or close to it. Um, I mean, essentially, yeah. that question is saying, do you think he will ever have the greatest season of all time or get close to that? Right. Uh, probably not. And that's yeah. okay because that's that bar is, yeah. ex- especially over a 17-game season, that would be like almost 6,000 yards. It would be almost 60 touchdowns. Yeah, it's it's an all-time level. I mean, I think it'd be great if he did, but I think that's something you hope for, but don't go in expecting anything like that as for what they'd have to put around Russell Wilson to build an offense of that caliber. Um, well, let's just see how these receivers develop. They might have, they might have it on hand. Certainly Jerry Judy has the talent. Cortland Sutton has the talent. Um, 
The interesting thing is Russell Wilson doesn't have a habit of using his tight end extensively. So even though I would think they could probably use more from the tight end position than what they currently have, what they possess might be enough. Yeah, and the, I mean the talent of this receiving core, and then Albert O. You throw him as him in as well in terms of a receiver. The, the problem Broncos, is the rest of the game. Right, right, yeah. of course. But I mean the talent from a receiving standpoint for Russ to have a career year is one hundred percent there. Now it may take a year or two of chemistry in order to fully maximize their potential. And you look at Javante Williams. It's the the teams are not going to be able to just key in on the passing game. They're going to have to respect the running game as well, which is only going to help Russell Wilson. So I'm trying to think of ways the Broncos could upgrade their receiving core. And Mace, would you rather have Cortland Sutton or DK Metcalf? DK. Is that a trade that could potentially happen? Doubt it. Why not? You just signed Cortland Sutton. You've got cost certainty with him relatively affordable. DK Metcalf, if you trade for him, you're committing if you're if you're doing the right thing in terms of roster building and what you'd give and and understanding that you're sacrificing some draft capital. You'd be saying we're going to re-sign him, but you're probably re-signing him in the uh, low to maybe even mid-20 million range. You're probably right. So uh, George Payton locked up Cortland Sutton just the right time. I'll take Cortland Sutton on his contract. Okay, so Cortland Sutton on his contract. So there's no upgrade there. What would you do, Jerry Judy, for uh, DK? Possibly, but again, I like the three more years of cost controlling Jerry Judy. Uh, yeah, it's, no. it's all about team building. Like if Look, if I were actually upgrading one position— it would be tight end. Okay. In like, terms of receiver, how do you do that? Like a receiving tight end. Well, not realistically, but I mean, let's say you could somehow get Travis Kelsey. <laughs> or you could somehow, you know. Well, the reason I went for DK is Or you could somehow get Darren. Right. But I mean, if we're talking, if we're living in the universe where, okay, an upgrade might be possible at some point. I mean, what if you could get your hands on Darren Waller in a year or two? That would be great, yeah. but I, I'm trying to think of a potential yeah. because what I, what what we both these are, said, these what we both said yeah. to start though was that it's yeah. going to be hard to find an upgrade right. because the, of how good the Broncos are, and I'm just trying to find a potential upgrade because I so do what, think DK would be an upgrade over. Gordon. So what I'm looking for is what is the greatest upgrade at a position? The greatest possible upgrade would be upgrading the tight end, based on where you are now compared to what you can get. Because I just don't know if there's yeah. a realistic option out there to upgrade. I uh, guess you could do it in the draft. Well, but we're, I don't think we're talking about just this year. We're talking, I mean, we're talking about, I think, I mean, he didn't say it, but he, oh, he did. He said this era. I'm talking about what do you do a year from now, two years from now, three years from now. So then I think the, the most bit, realistic would the, probably be, in terms of upgrading tight end, would be Trey McBride. Well, I mean... He's a he's a good prospect, but he's a prospect. Yep, he is. I, I don't, just don't think you're going to get one of the greatest yeah, tight ends. Why would the Raiders let Darren Waller walk? Why would Kansas City let let Travis Kelsey walk when he's still in his prime ish? Because maybe they because maybe the cap crunch hits Kansas City, and they say, okay, we we've got somebody young, we want to hand the baton off to. I mean, it happens. Kansas City moved on from Tony Gonzalez. I mean, they were a struggling team at the time. But they moved on from him, and he still had five good years left in him when they moved on from him. Yeah. So these things do happen. They do. I just feel like they just made that decision with Tyree Kill instead of Travis Kelsey. 
we'll see because Kelsey is a little Kelsey is older and right now he's on a contract that wasn't backbreaking in the way the Tyreek Hill's contract was going to be backbreaking because Hill did want to go into the twenty million dollar range. And that's again, I'm and I'm looking at his at you have three receivers and a tight end. Which position has the most room to get better? By far to me it's tight end. And part of it is because because Albert Okwebenam is he okay, he's got talent as a receiver, mm-hmm. but he's also very inconsistent. He has a drop ball through the hands issue, right? Yep. And he and as a blocker, he's not somebody you can have out there on every down. So of those four spots, to me, that's the weak link. That's fair. And so, and so that's why I look at that and say that's if you're talking about an, an upgrade to really get this group into the Peyton Manning group, that's that's where that's where it comes from. I haven't seen yet that Albert O can be as good of a pass catcher, for example, as Julius Thomas was, especially in the red zone. Maybe he can. I have I I have my doubts. Saying that, and you're right yeah. on what you said. Saying that, I think he can also make the most improvement and take the biggest jump this year. And we could be sitting here in a year from now saying, "Man, he's one. He's a top six pass catching tight end in the." But NFL. one thing that was interesting that Nathaniel Hackett said about Albert Equipenom down at the league meetings was talking about him being that move tight end in space, but then say, hoping that he can work right. next to. Eric Tomlinson, I think because they may be looking at the tight end as more of a blocking complement, we actually might see more of Tomlinson this year than Albert O. Potentially, or maybe yeah. that's a reason why the Broncos trade up in the second round because they know Trey McBride can catch and also block. Yeah. Potentially. Man, yeah. and it was interesting how Nathaniel I think Trey Hackett... McBride might be the only pick who could make a lot of people around here really excited just given where the Broncos yeah, select. Exactly. Because, and, you know, in, in terms of trade up needle, for him. Yes, they would. Yep. And last one coming in from Massive Jub says, My boys, all this talk about a new, new owner has me thinking. What are your thoughts about the Broncos pulling off an in state city move to have their stadium in a small town a la the Packers in Green Bay or the Pats in Foxborough? I think the obvious choice is Pueblo, small, gritty Colorado city with a ton of heart and full of diehard Broncos fans. Denver in the spring are so full of transplants these days it almost feels hard to find actual Broncos fans there anymore. Well, if you do that, you got to change the name. I mean, now yeah. Green, Green Bay, that's a different entity entirely. I mean, that's that, that was kind of, they were the last kind of small city that kept their team, and for years they used to go play a few games in Milwaukee to basically balance their books. And to this day, Green Bay has two sets of season ticket holders. They have the green package and the gold package. The Green Bay goes back to when all, all the games are played in Green Bay. The gold package goes back to their Milwaukee package. Interesting. Yeah. So what do you think of the Broncos making a move? I Pueblo? Abs- I absolutely hate it. <laughs> uh, I'd say moving t- moving to the suburbs of Denver, I'd say that's possible. Moving to Pueblo, no chance in hell. So what, when you say the <laughs> suburbs, I think what you're referring to is moving closer to DIA, where the, there's uh, tons of land. Out to DIA, I'm maybe, sure maybe, Denver, maybe, no, maybe north. I'm sure Denver, yeah. just like they did with the airport, yeah. would draw, redraw the city lines to make the Broncos Stadium fit in there. Uh, and it would, Or if they didn't, it would still be in the Denver metro area, so it would still be the Denver mm. Broncos. Uh, there are 
plenty of Broncos fans in Denver. I could tell you that. Mm -hmm. they're, they're, and, and I know what you mean about more transplants being here. That's also very true. There, there's mm -hmm. a lot of transplants. Uh, but this city rallies around the Broncos like no other team. The Denver Broncos are the absolute king of this city. They're the king of this state, and it should be where the heart of all the sports fans are, and that is right here in Denver. And, I hate, and I'm just going to puncture the Pueblo balloon completely here. Can you imagine the traffic jams on a weekly basis <laughs> of people who'd probably keep their season tickets heading south on 25 to Pueblo to watch the Broncos play? Remember when you had the, the Avs play down at the Air Force Academy and you, had, and, and you had traffic backed up for dozens of miles back on I-25? It's called a nightmare. Yeah. It was a nightmare. Yes. yes. All right. You'd be having that every. You'd be having that every week. Yeah, and and, and I mean, obviously they're they are widening twenty five between Castle Rock and this and Monument. That's great, but what are you doing from the Springs to Pueblo? Yeah, and it would bottle it would it would bottleneck there. That's what that alone. You'd have a have to have a massive infrastructure investment to widen I twenty five to get everybody down there, and even then you still have traffic jams. So I think this is. It's an interesting idea, but I think it's DOA. Yeah, and I, lo I love the idea, Massive Chubb. Uh, I just don't see it happening uh, mm -hmm. at all because this is kind of the opposite of where stadiums mm -hmm. are going. Stadiums are going to Los Angeles. They're becoming grand. They're becoming the, the center of what people want the city to be. And moving it far away, like not just you know half an hour away, we're talking hours away, that just doesn't make any sense. Well, I mean, Inglewood, where... SoFi Stadium is, and of course where the 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 forum was and still is, even though it's not used anymore. That's not at the center of LA. They're Sta making that Staples the center of a. They're new making it. City they're making it. Of. They're making it. And they're, they're what I think it is is they're making it the center of something like like something like a uh, lot. You know where the where the Raiders built their stadium, where you can walk there from strip hotels. That's building something near the center. L.A. is trying to develop something. Atlanta, where the Braves Stadium is, and they, they moved out along 285. They're trying to develop a neighborhood. And if the Broncos le left their location, it would be about developing a district. But it doesn't necessarily have – that doesn't have to be at the city center, I, I meant per it, se. It, it's, the, it's the center uh, of a new big thing that yeah. they're building. And moving that out to Pueblo – or a small yeah. city. I love the idea of a small city feel, but that's more, you know, there's only, what, one of those in, in the NFL? Do you want to drive to Pueblo for every home game? I mean, absolutely not. And that's mm -hmm. why I'm just saying it doesn't make sense. But I do love the comment. I do love the comment, and I've loved this conversation that we've had, Mace. Pick, packed a lot in yeah. this one show, and we're going to be talking about something very interesting tomorrow, Mace. I want to talk about the Eagles-Saints trade, and can the Broncos replicate it because I think they can and I think George Payton will be looking to do something similar and we'll get into that tomorrow but for Andrew Mason I'm Zach Stevens thank you all so much for chiming in please hit us with a thumbs up on your way out if you're tuning in live on YouTube if you're tuning in on the pod side hit us with a review on iTunes we would really really appreciate it and we really appreciate all of you that are rolling with us today thank you so much have a terrific Tuesday we'll talk to you tomorrow on the DNVR Broncos podcast Roll out the truck and took a country drive Now understand that you need some time 
last time.